Well, welcome to Family Sunday. So good to have the elementary kids in service with us. We're intentional to do that probably three to four times a year. So parents, I'm going to understand if your kids uh, draw or play on parent-approved electronical devices. And um, if they're not into my sermon, hey, it's cool. I understand, but I think God will still speak to them indirectly. And there's a lot of reasons uh, for kids to be in service occasionally. There's a lot of reasons that it's good. You know, we don't want kids to be in seventh grade before they ever go to a church service and to see the family worship together. And then on these weekends, it gives our children's workers kind of a chance to take a breath, to experience worship together. And so thanks for accommodating us. And another reason is not everybody, not every child here knows who I am. I don't know if that's necessarily important, but I realize that uh, very clearly on Christmas Eve because there's this little four-year-old child in our church named Drew whose parents are heavily involved in our church. In fact, they started our Awana program. So every Wednesday afternoon, uh, Drew comes with his mom to, to our church uh, to set up for Awana. And I usually come out of my office and I look for Drew and I say, Drew, give me a high five. And some days he gives me a high five and other days he, he's not so ready to give me a high five and I have to coax it out of him. But I've kind of built this rapport with him and this friendship with him. So on Christmas Eve, and we had our service here, and this place was packed. We brought chairs out, and Beth did the incredible job she always does in the first part of the service with music. And then my part came up, and I did what I'm doing right now. I came up before you and with a microphone, and little Drew's out in the crowd, and he said, Hey, I know that guy. What's Aaron doing up there? <laughs> so I'm not as famous as I thought I was. So Family Sunday is a good way to integrate things, but we're back in Mark chapter 9, and if you're visiting with us, you will not know this, but over the last few years, we go in and out of Mark chapter 9. I'll do a few series, and then when we have a transitional Sunday or transitional series, we have been going verse by verse through Mark 9, and so we've landed today on today's passage, and the, the scripture speaks. I just want you to know that. Scripture speaks. And on this last Sunday of the year, uh, the text landed where it did, but God's Holy Spirit is going to make this particular scripture life to you. And this is a good reminder for you in the next three days to evaluate how you're going to feed yourselves spiritually with God's word in the year 2014. You have about, if you want to do like a one-year plan, uh, you have three or four days to kind of evaluate that, and you can use the app, version to find a variety of plans. Uh, we may have a handful of plans about how to read the New Testament in a year at the Communication Center. I'm going to uh, try to put that on my blog this afternoon or tomorrow because it's a plan that I use. It takes me through the New Testament in a year, and if you've never done that before, I would encourage you to start with the New Testament. And if you've done that, you want to expand to the whole Bible, that would be positive also. But God's scripture speaks, and it's going to do so today. So let's look at Mark chapter 9, starting with verse 38. And John said to him, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, 
and we tried to stop him because he wasn't following us. Don't stop him, said Jesus, because there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name who can soon afterward speak evil of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. And whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of my name, since you belong to the Messiah, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. This statement says a whole lot. And there's a lot of things being spoken in the scripture. I'm going to give you three ideas today that that as I prepare this message seems somewhat disconnected, but I, I really believe God's Holy Spirit's going to make these different observations life to you and meaningful to you. Right away, right away the scripture makes something crystal clear that when it comes to following Jesus, when you really understand who Jesus is and what Jesus asked us to do and how we respond to the grace of Jesus, it's that all in are all out kind of thing. Following Jesus is not something you do casually, occasionally, or conveniently. When you follow Jesus, you're all in. And that's why Jesus, when he responded to these disciples, he responded to what the disciples considered unauthorized ministry. People that were not part of them doing ministry. Jesus said, listen, they're ministering in my name. Because they're ministering, in my name, they're with us. Because they're ministering in my authority, they're with us. Now, let me just give one disclaimer as we look at the full scope of Scripture. If you've read the New Testament, there are a lot of passages that challenge us uh, to oppose false doctrine. And in the book of Second John and Third John, it goes so far as to say, we shouldn't even have fellowship with people who have incorrect doctrine that opposes the gospel message. But this particular scripture gives us a, a corresponding theme, but with a different angle. This scripture is saying, Jesus is saying, that we need to be cooperative. We need to see the full scope of his creativity in ministering to people. The issue here was this. The disciples were dealing with exclusivity. Well, I can't say that. They were exclusive. They had an exclusive spirit. When you do public speaking, there's some words that you put on paper and they don't just come out the right way. These, these disciples, they, they felt like it was us and we are the only one authorized. We're the only ones truly qualified to do ministry. And Jesus pushes back against this. And Jesus calls his disciples to have a larger perspective that God works through different people. God works through different groups. God works through different ways. And God is wanting to use his people in maybe ways we've never seen before. The problem with the disciples was that, that they were afraid of losing their authority. They were afraid of losing their position. So they couldn't handle it if God used somebody else. Now, three years ago, three and a half years ago, uh, we had a, a very devastating flood in this community. And some of you, I'm sure, were directly affected from it. Just percentages would say that. And for that, I'm so sorry for that. But despite 
that very, very difficult circumstance in Hendersonville. I was so proud of the city of Hendersonville and how the citizens of this city and of this county responded in love to their neighbors. My children attend or attended Witten Elementary School and the neighborhoods around our school was affected. There were several, neighbor, several streets that almost every home was flooded. So I got a firsthand view of the best of our city, people volunteering, people sacrificing, people reaching out to neighbors. And there were kind of two types, two types of help. There was that formal kind of help that was organized by cities or nonprofits or churches. And there was also this kind of spontaneous, unorganized, uh, just neighbors grabbing trash bags and gloves and shovels and just getting after it. And both were beautiful. But in the midst of this dynamic, I heard a story about something that was a little irritating. There was a group of people who gathered the trash bags and gathered their gloves and rakes and all the type of stuff they needed. And they were going to one of the affected areas in our city. And there was somebody from another nonprofit that was guarding this affected neighborhood, not allowing the help to get to the people as mold was forming, as water was standing in soaked carpets, as there was damage that needed to be repaired and people who needed help, this particular person representing an organization was guarding the neighborhood because two days later, their organization had a corporate cleanup event. Now, I just want you to know when people need help, what's going on in your organization and what you have planned is now secondary to the need at hand. Would you not agree with me? Now, here's an issue, and here's the first word I want us to talk about, is the word control. In this situation, the word control, in this situation, the people were more focused, were more focused on their organization, their plans, than they were actually getting help to those who were devastated by the flood. And this is exactly what was happening, uh, very, very close parallel to the scripture. Look at verse 38. Verse 38 said, John said to him, teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. Now, is that not a good thing? I mean, if someone was oppressed by a demon or possessed by a demon, I mean, in Jesus' name, we want to drive those things out. We want to get those things out of people's lives, get those things out of the church, get those things out of society, drive demons out. I think we would all agree that's a good thing. But look at the rest of the scripture. And we tried to stop him. Are you kidding me? We tried to stop him. So that's ludicrous right away, right? You think, why in the world would you want to stop a good work? Someone's driving out demons in your name. By the way, in your name means they were operating in the authority of Jesus. They were operating in the authority of him. And we tried to stop him. Now look at this phrase that I underlined. Because he wasn't following us. The vibrato got deeper there. Us. Our organization, our church, our ministry, 
our 242 group, our theological perspective, our opinion, our acclaim. The disciples had lost perspective on why Jesus came. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus came so chains that were on people would be loosened and would leave and would fall off. And all the disciples were concerned about was us being exclusive. There was some control issues here. Now I gotta admit something. As I'm preparing this message, point number one about control kind of applies to me. Because when I took Forward 104, which is part of our CIL Forward program, and and I took my spiritual uh, gifting, my spiritual uh, motivational gift test, uh, my highest gift was organization and leadership. So I like to organize things. I like to make sure systems are in place. I, I like to make sure there's a process I like to make sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. But here's the issue. For those of you who are like me, who like to control things, like to administrate things, like to lead things, if we're not careful, we can forget the purpose behind the process. We can forget the outcome behind the rules. We can forget the the who behind the why. There, There is... Someone that we, we are being called to touch, to reach, to influence, to stir up, to give a helping hand to. And like the disciples, we can say, Jesus, we're stopping them because they're not part of us. That's an exclusive spirit. And I, I want to tell you this. Pride, pride within, within people and organizations does more to stop the work of God than anything Pride in the name, the church at Indian Lake with our logo that we had a graphic designer design. The church at IndianLake.com, our church, or our 242 group. We have the funnest 242 group. I mean, our 242 group, man, we're the party group. No one else has as good a time as our 242 group. Or we're the most spiritual women's Bible study in this city. No women's Bible study in this whole city is as spiritual as us. We're the best. We've got the corner. It's us. That is why opportunities like Tuesday after Tuesday night, as we do a citywide uh, church service at Cornerstone, is important. That's why the MLK service on January 19th, when we partner with Community Church to provide the only, the only MLK celebration in the city of Hendersonville, it's important because it demonstrates unity, that we are part of something. That's why I participate every month in the Hendersonville Community Pastors Association, because we may meet here and we may go to this church, and this may be where God's called us, but we're not the only thing going on, and we won't be the only thing going on. There's something bigger. God is doing his work all over the place, and for God to do his work, it's going to have to be bigger than one church or one denomination or one movement to reach this city, to reach this region, to reach this nation. It's going to be everybody all in. 
And we can't have an exclusive spirit. We can't have, theologically, we can't say, well, you know, we're a certain type of church and that other type of church isn't spiritual. Man, that, that is the biggest kind of pride. We, we, we can't say, we, because we have this perspective on our theology, everybody else, everybody else has missed the boat and, and they're not quite what they need to be. The basic stuff, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one we're looking for. He's the one we're seeking after. That's the stuff that really matters. And I believe that stories like this we read in Mark 9 is the way Jesus is reminding us, hey, let's get on the same team. Let's get on team Jesus. Let's get together. Let's be the people God wants us to be. And let's not be so in control that we miss what God's doing. Now, let me just say this to you. Some of you are like, okay, I didn't come here to hear stories about like the whole church and the whole city. I need something from me, Aaron. Okay, so here we go. This is what I think the Lord wants you to hear on this point. Some of you, uh, God wants to move in your life in 2014 in an area you can't control. Often, not always, but frequently, and there's a pattern in scripture and in life, that God moves in the things we can't control because that makes us dependent on him. We want to control our health. We want to control our finances. We want to control our kids. We want to control our environment. We want to control our job. And the simple fact is this, is that most of the time when we try to control things, we go into manipulation. Prepare, yes. Do your best effort, absolutely. Control, you can't control the things, uh, the things of the spirit. You gotta put it in God's hand, right? It's in God's hand. So be open. In this coming year, if there are aspects of your life, you're like, I can't control this. I'm out of control. I don't know what to do. You may be in the exact position God wants you to be in and God's going to move within that thing you can't control. Whatever it is. And he is at work in that. We have to trust him for that. All right, it's 21 minutes till noon. Does anyone here have tickets to the Titans game and you're on the way? That's what I thought. <laughs> no one wants to go to that game today, right? I mean, you can't give away tickets to that game right now. I got invited to the game and I said, no. There, there is some advantages of a losing season. And as a pastor, a losing season really helps church attendance. So <laughs> praise God for that. Well, being an NFL fan, and probably statistically, statistically most of you are NFL fans, uh, you know that a big deal in the spring is the NFL draft. And it is a, a time you shape the next team because you pick college players to come on the particular NFL team. Leading up to the draft, they have all types of scouting, scouting combines in recent years, these scouting combines are now televised, which I'm a huge football fan, but it is the boringest television possible. You see men run and lift weights and stretch and do a vertical jump. It's amazingly boring. What's happening at these combines is this. The scouts are evaluating the size of the athletes, the speed, the agility, all of the different characteristics. And inevitably, inevitably this happens every single year. Somebody, 
that you've never heard of, that never did anything as a college football player, gets drafted in the first round just because they're strong, just because they're fast, and just because they're agile. There's only one thing that the scouts forget about. They get so enamored with the size and speed. Here's what they forget about. Can the dude play football? I mean, can he do it? What does the film say? Like I remember a few years ago, the, the uh, Titans drafted this running back. I couldn't remember his name. And then someone in the first service told me, I think his name was Chris Henry, uh, a running back out of Arizona. This guy had all the measurables, fast, big, strong, agile. But I remember seeing him in college. He couldn't break a tackle. And sure enough, we forgot his name, didn't we? Except one guy in the first service who reminded me. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what the measurables are. It doesn't matter what, you know, what happens at the combine. It's what happens on the playing field. It's productivity. That's the second word I want us to think about. Productivity. And as you've been observing life, when it comes to uh, making sales, if you're in a commission-based business, when it comes to success in your professional life, Here's what makes somebody successful. More than education, and I'm a big believer in education, more than preparation, more than genetics, more than opportunity, what makes someone really successful is hunger. If somebody is hungry enough, both physically and metaphorically, that drive, that passion, that enthusiasm, that desire to succeed trumps their lack of education. That, that passion to succeed is more important than their preparation, are their connections, are, are their, their inherited abilities. All those things play a part, all those things play a role, but desire and hunger and, and something within them that makes them want to succeed trumps all of those things and causes them to be productive. In this situation, as we go back to the narrative here, in verse, verse 30, 39, Jesus says, don't stop him. I mean, Jesus is, I'm gonna read into the scripture a little bit. It's like he's, he's saying, hey, something's happening. Don't stop those guys. Demons are coming out. People are getting set free. Pro- productivity is happening. I don't care if they weren't, I'm reading into this now. I don't care if they weren't with me in this teaching. I don't care if they weren't with me on the Mount of Transfiguration. I don't care if they didn't see the water come into wine. They, they are, don't stop them. They are being productive. Don't stop him, says Jesus, because there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name, in my authority, who can soon afterward speak evil of me. In other words, God's saying, stop hindering him. Let the people produce. Let the people produce. This is good news for you. As we're entering a new year, as we're entering 2014, I know this because I know the nature of our Lord. It's our God wants you to be more productive than you've ever been before. Now, right now, your mind is going to your professional life and your personal life, and you're thinking things like, you know, make more money and lose some weight and go to the gym more often and get more bonuses. I'm going to be more productive this year. I wish you the best at all of those. I wish you well. And, and God does care about those things to some extent. But the productivity that I'm talking about is 
the working of his Holy Spirit in every area of your life, the working of his spirit in your nutrition, the working of his spirit in your workout, the working of his spirit in your work relationships, the working of his spirit and the fruit of his spirit in your conversations, the working of his spirit in your entertainment and every single thing. God wants you to be more productive than you've ever been before. He wants you to be more fruitful than you've ever been before, but it's the type of fruit that he wants. So often we're looking at the fruit that we want. Can I remind you what the scripture says? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you. You know, when those things come to your life, they're not as important as they were before. God was first. You put God first, he's gonna provide everything you need. Everything you need to succeed, everything you need to to please him, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to please the Lord. That's what we're called to do. Let's put him first. Let's be like those people. I mean, let's be like those disciples. We don't know their names, do we? And we know the 12. We know the elite. We know the ones who were chosen. But there were some disciples out there that, that they, they weren't among the most important called. Their names weren't written in the Bible. Uh, they aren't famous in this life. But when they came across someone who was possessed with a demon, they prayed for them in Jesus' name. And, and that person was set free. And I want you to know this, that you have a unique personality. You have a special perspective. You have a God-given gift that's unlike any other gift that's ever existed in this world. And the people that you interact with, the people that you're in relationship with, the people that you're connected with, you can influence them like no other person on this planet. And God wants you to be productive in the things that matter to him. The things that matter to him. Now, this is what we begin to think. Wow, that's a big story. Wow. Demons leaving, that's huge, man. That's just... That's a huge thing. That's just for the elite. That's just for the special. Now, I love how Jesus now brings this, this story maybe back to where, where I am and, and where most of us are. Look at verse 41. He says it this way. And whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of my name, since you belong to Messiah, I assure you, he will never lose his reward. So here it is. The beginning of the story, it's about demons and big deliverance. And then Jesus says, now I also want to tell you, when you give a cup of water in my name, when you give something very simple and what some people don't even value, when you do that, there's going to be a reward for that. There's going to be a reward for what you have to give. Here's a word that summarizes that. Here's a third word, last word I'm going to give you today. Last thought is provision provision. Now, immediately we begin to think provision. We begin to think finances and finances is a portion of what provision is. That's why at our church, we're not afraid to invite you to give to God's work because we believe God's work matters. That's why we will start offering financial peace on January 15th, because we believe God cares about your finances. But provision is not just about your finances. Provision is about everything you need to be the person God has called you to be. And I believe that the biblical pattern of provision and the observation that I have seen is God's provision comes through relationships. God's provision comes through community. God's provision comes through interaction. 
So it is in this church. We are filling holes and filling ministry opportunities for 2014. God's provision is coming to this church through people. Do you know how God's provision is coming to this church? Through relationships. People that I'm in relationship with, people that Beth and Matt and Pastor Deborah are in relationship with, we're connecting with those people and we're connecting them to a need. Relationships are the answer to the provision you need. Do you know that it's most likely that the next promotion you get or the next job you take is going to happen through a relationship that you make? It's a very likely scenario. Do you know that your children and my children are being impacted by the relationships that God is bringing to their lives. Character is being formed, and men and women are being formed by relationships that are happening through our youth ministry, through our Awana program, through the schools your kids attend, through the homeschool co-ops you're part of, and through the friends that they have. One of the prayers that I pray for my kids frequently through the years is that at every stage of my kids' lives, that, that they would have significant relationships. Uh, and I invite you to join me in that prayer. Because often we, we pray, Lord, I pray for my kid's spouse someday. And that's a good prayer. But you know, it's the relationships that they have before they meet their spouse, if God's will for them to be married. Those relationships before they meet their spouse is who makes them who they are. So it's relationships every day, at every time, in every way. God's provision for you. God's provision for you. Let's look at that last scripture as we move towards closing. Verse 41. Whoever gives a cup of water to drink because of my name, he will never lose his reward. This has two meanings for you this morning. Two meanings I want to describe, I, I want to uh, play out for you is this. Is God's provision is coming to you. God's provision is coming to you and it may look like a, drink, a glass of water. A glass of water may not seem valuable. It may not seem tasteful. You may be wishing for a more sophisticated drink. You may be uh, uh, wishing for something more palatable to you. You may be wishing for something more valuable. But the Lord's going to bless you through a cup of water. The Lord's going to bless you through an unlikely relationship. The Lord's going to bless you through an unlikely venue. His provision for you, His provision for you, is exactly what you need today. It's daily bread. And this is something that I feel the Lord's saying clearly to us today. I said this in the first service. Some of you, there is manna on the ground right now. And you're not willing to bend over and scoop up the manna the Lord has for you because you're looking for something better. And God says right before you, I provided for you today this manna. Pick it up. That's all you need for today. The relationships you have today the contacts you have today, the friends you have today, the home you have today, the vehicle you're driving in today. It's my provision. It's my blessing. It's my manna. It's what I have for you. Don't be looking to tomorrow because right here before you today is everything that you need. Daily bread. God's provision is coming to you right now. It's coming to you in that cup of water. Now here's the second meaning for that. Now, relationally, you are the cup of water for somebody else. You're the cup of water for somebody else. Some of you don't realize that you are provision for someone else because you have minimized who God has made you. You think, if I had a more sophisticated drink, 
if I had a cup of wine, if I had, if I had a feast to give, then I would offer what I have. The Lord says, take your cup of water, your personality, your perspective, who you are, your experience, your limitations, the tone of voice that you use, the perspective that you have, the gifts that you have. You may see them as small, but if you offer what you have, your cup of water to somebody in Jesus' name, can I tell you, there's a reward for you. There's a reward for you. There's a reward for you that you're gonna give right back to Jesus because he's the only one worthy of praise. So you have something to give. You have something to offer. This is a chance for you, a chance for you to receive provision relationally, but also to be provision, amen? Let's stand up together. I wanna pray for you before we dismiss today. Man, can I tell you, uh, our kids, way to go kids. And kids, I want to say, yeah, thank them. And for all of you under the age of 12, I have something to say. You made it through. You made it through. Way to go. But we love you kids. We love you kids. And kids, next week, I want to tell you, if you're at first through third grade, kindergarten through third grade, and you haven't been to Pastor Greg's church service, man, you've got to try it out next week. Pastor Greg, wave your hand over here. This guy is the funnest, full of Jesus guy. I mean, I, I wish I could go to his service, but I got things to do in here, Greg, so I can't go to your service. Puppets are there. Games are there. It's fun. If you're fourth through sixth grade, man, 4.6 experience. Pastor Chip Johnson, and would you raise your hand? This is Pastor Chip who leads our first service. Pastor Lee leads our second I don't know if Lee's here, but man, we love you kids. We're excited about Awana. We're excited about Exit 7. We're excited. We, we want kids, students, teenagers, we want this to be the best year you've ever had in the Lord. We want that for you. Let's pray together. Come on, let's pray. I want us to, in prayer, respond to this message today. We're just going to work through this message in prayer, and we're going to ask the Lord to let the seed of this word be alive to us. Right now, I want to pray for those things you can't control. Some of you, God spoke, spoke to you about that. You are trying to control and orchestrate every area of your life. And the Lord says, preparation is fine. Planning is fine. Yes, that's, that's, that's fine. Uh, that's a good thing often, but you cannot control things. And the Lord says, things are going to be a lot better for you when you just trust him. Things that you can't control he wants to remind you this morning that he is in control. <laughs> He's in control of the things we can't control. So God, we look to you. If there's a circumstance, a situation, a relationship we can't control, instead of abandoning it, instead of cursing it, instead of marginalizing it, Lord, we will believe that you are at work in the things we can't control. And Lord, we give those things to you in Jesus' name. Now I want to pray for your productivity because I want to pray that this would be the greatest year spiritually that you've ever had. And that's why we're here today. That the fruit God wants. I can't promise you riches. I can't promise you health. I can't promise you a promotion. Uh, those are in the Lord's hands, but I can promise you this. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, everything you need, he's going to give to you. So God, I pray for new fruitful. I want you to begin to spiritually imagine the future ahead of you. And instead of going to your default and just thinking about a different house, a different job, all that, I want you to begin to imagine a new level of holiness that God has for you. I want you to begin to imagine a new richness 
in the scripture and in the word of God that he has for you. I want you to begin to imagine significant conversations that God has ordained for you to be involved in, that you are the most qualified, chosen one to be his voice, to be his perspective, to to use your person. I want you to begin to imagine God using you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm praying for new fruitfulness, new productivity, God. I'm praying, God, for fruit that matters, the fruit of your Holy Spirit. Stir it up in us, God. Grow it up in us, God. Lord, let us not lean on our own understanding. Let us not be selfish in the things we pursue. But God, we look for the fruit you want, the fruit you desire, the fruit that you long for, God. And Lord, I pray for that to happen in our lives. Now, if you're standing near a child that you know, uh, that I want you just to place your hand upon them if there's a child near you because I want us to pray for kids because this is what I want to pray over our kids today. I want us to pray this over our kids. We want more for our kids than just athletic success. And we call that forth, more, Lord, more than just academic success, more than athletic success, more than social prestige. God, we call forth in our children and our teenagers new fruit in the Lord. God, we pray that this would be the greatest year of spiritual growth, the greatest year of spiritual fruit. We pray that you would grow their heart, God. You would grow their biblical knowledge. You would grow their love for the Lord. We pray they'd be champions for the Lord. We pray, oh God, they would desire the things of God, that, Lord, the things of God would be greater than the things of this world. We pray, Lord, that the richness of your word they would long for and they would love God. We speak blessings over our kids. Speak blessings over the child you're near. Speak blessings over them, God. We thank you, Lord, that they won't be cursed. They won't be picked off by the enemy. Lord, they are chosen of God and set apart for him and for his purposes. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for that. Now let me pray for, for provision before we dismiss. Now, God, you know us better than we know ourselves. You know our personality. You know our tendencies, you know our weaknesses, you know our future, you know our plans. So God, we pray that you would provide what we need according to your riches and glory, according to your plan, according to your purpose. God, I thank you for divine relationships. There's people you don't know today that are gonna impact you in a way you've never seen before. There are people that have left your life that I believe the Lord is gonna bring back into your life for such a time as this. Relationally, God, thank you, you're providing for us, Lord. Lord, we don't desperately seek after the things the world seek, but Lord, we trust that you're creating creating the environment of our life and you're providing exactly what we need to be your chosen holy people set apart for the things of God bearing the fruit that you want and let it be in Jesus name we pray if you agree would you say amen